Welcome to Water from the Well, a work of the Church of Christ in Santa Clara. Welcome to Water from the Well, and today I'm uh, having an interview with Zach McGinnis. We're going to get to know Zach a little bit. He's the uh, new preacher over at the Almaden Valley Church of Christ, and um, he's been there for about how long now? I started at the beginning of February, so one month, basically. (laughs) All right, so um, getting the work going over there. And uh, so I'm going to talk to Zach a little bit today about um, just uh, his life, you know, what led him to become a Christian and then uh, what led him to the work he's doing now. Greetings, Zach. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. So first I'm going to ask you, you know, just uh, about uh, your home life growing up. You know, were uh, you a Christian household or... Yeah. Um, did you go to church together? Yeah, absolutely. So my dad was raised Irish Catholic up by Chicago, just west of Chicago, some in a town called Freeport. And so when he met mom, he he converted to the Church of Christ, which she was raised in. And so that that was a blow to his family. And, and they were mm-hmm. upset about it for years after. But yeah. Eventually, they came around to it and realized that, you know, my mom's not such a bad person. And <laughs> everything kind of came back together. But, yeah, so both of them were, were members of the Church of Christ as as long as I've known them. Okay, know. so as long as you were born. Right, you know, right, yeah. Now, let me ask you a question, though, because um, what, were they married first before he became a Christian? or No, no. Okay. So that was, that was one of her stipulations. She said, I'm only going to marry a... a a member of the Church of Christ, so okay. So he had a decision to make. Yeah, that happened to me too. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, but uh, uh, you know, thank the Lord, he's influenced, and and uh, as long as you've known him, he's been a member. Yeah. Um, d- is he a preacher or an elder, deacon, any of that? Not at all. Um, well, he was definitely uh, um, a leader, I would say, mm-hmm. but. We grew up in a small church. He actually passed away in 2014 from cancer. Oh, sorry. So yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, But while he was alive, he was definitely a leader, and he would teach class and lead singing. But we were in a small church, and he would give a lesson from time to time. But he was never a preacher himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But um, let me ask you this then: about uh, uh, where in your life did you then become influenced to be baptized? Yeah, so that was, um, my dad certainly had a, a big impact on that, and okay. I was baptized, I always, for, I, I don't remember the exact date, but it was the summer um, before I turned 14, and uh, I just, my dad had been talking to me about it some, and mm-hmm. uh, I just decided that day, whichever day it was, that I wanted to get baptized, and so I went to him and told him that, and so we went, we had a pond behind our house, and we oh. went down to the pond, and just he and I, and uh, I got wet. Oh, great, great. <laughs> so did your mom, like, come home and find you uh, a Christian? <laughs> well, no. Um, yeah, everyone was home at the time, as far oh, as okay. I can remember. So we just, we went back there, just the two of us, and then we kind of celebrated afterwards okay, as a great, family. great, yeah. wonderful. You know, um, one thing that I am discovering is that uh, um, people who grew up in a Christian home, and it's been a pattern, all the interviews that I've done, mm-hmm. um, you know, somewhere between 10 and 14 is usually around when they get baptized. Interesting. And Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, a um, you know, but anybody else that I talk to usually, like I was baptized at 27. Okay. Like I didn't yeah. grow up in, in a, a home where, you know, we went to church and that type of thing, uh, not on a regular basis. 
Um, but everybody who's, who grew up in a Christian home seems to get uh, baptized around that age. And I think it has a lot to do with just being exposed to, you know, mom, especially if it's mom and dad, both being faithful and, you know, just learning as you grow up around that age. I think you start to think about things more seriously yeah. and what the rest of your life's going to be like. Definitely. And so it seems to be a, a point where a lot of folks do it. Definitely. Yeah, it's... I. I mean, there's not a hard and fast age of accountability that I'm aware of, right. but it apparently 10 to 14 is where it happens <laughs> right, right. <laughs> for a lot of Christian kids. Yeah, yeah. So um, what, has the journey been more difficult for you at a certain age than, than another age? Uh, it, Maybe you can clarify that for me. What do you, in terms of difficulty, in terms of just general, like, like, like life in general? Difficulty or? around the, around you know your peers, or mm. have your peers mostly been Christians, or have you been to yeah. like public school or something like yeah. that? Where I was know. not a homeschool kid. We we okay. all went to public school. I have a younger brother and two younger sisters as well, mm-hmm. and um, we were really for a large portion of our lives the only kids of our age group in our church. Um, which was kind of hard. Yeah. Um, We grew up in Southern Illinois, which is kind of Bible Mm Belt-ish in the sense that everyone goes to church, attends some sort of church out there, right? And we went to a small public school. But there, even though everyone, all the families seemed to go to church, there wasn't a strong sense of Christian morals within the school itself, right? Mm -hmm. And so... um, there were, it, it was uh, difficult to be, especially being an athlete and, and being a part of all the locker room antics, right? Yeah, yeah. And being exposed to all that. It was definitely difficult to be a Christian through some of those times and, and kind of be harassed for it a little bit every sure, once in a while, sure. you know? Yeah. Um, well, were you at school with any of your siblings or was it just you? Yeah. So um, I'm the oldest of four. And so I had my younger sister, Kaylee, who's the second oldest. I went to school with her, especially in high school and junior high. There was some time where we spent at school together, but she had her group of friends and I had my group of friends and we didn't really see each other all that much, mm-hmm. you know, and we were kind of, I mean, growing up together, you get tired enough of your brother and sisters, right? Just, <laughs> <laughs> just spending that much uh, quality family time together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't really necessarily want to see them at school too. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, excuse me, but. And there were not to say that there weren't other other people that that were good Christian people at uh-huh. school, but sure. they were. I would say um, they were the exception. You know, they were they were few and far between, yeah. generally speaking. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, what led you to come out to this part of the country? I mean, did you come on your own, or did your whole family move out here? No. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of different ways I can answer that question, I guess. <laughs> you answered uh, yes and no. Yeah, I, <laughs> I will explain that. Um, my mind was kind of going two different directions at, okay. at one time there. But uh, so, no, my family did not come with me. My brother's actually down at UC Irvine now finishing up his master's degree, but he was he was up in Chicago when I left to come out here. Okay. Um, I moved in, out, out with in the summer of 2014. Not with the intention of staying for any long period of time. I, I had planned on visiting my aunt and uncle who worship at Folsom okay. and have basically their entire lives. Um, and seeing that part of, you know, just seeing part of California, mm-hmm. getting to experience uh, the church at Folsom mm-hmm. and then getting to spend a lot more quality time getting to know them and their family. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My cousins out here as well. And um, so 
that that went really well. That part of it was really good. But I, mm-hmm. I became enamored, especially with the church, I would say, growing up in a small church in Folsom being, you know, regularly over 350 people yeah. on Sunday mornings. It was it was a stark contrast for me. And it, it definitely in terms of if you want to call it a spiritual awakening, if you want to call <laughs> it um, a re-energizing of my faith, mm-hmm. I would definitely say Folsom was integral in that, you know, in, in kind of re-sparking, reigniting mm-hmm. the passion and, and just seeing a group of strong Christians that really say about God and his word. Right. And um, so I got involved with them at pretty as, as quickly as I could, whether it was just leading a prayer or participating uh, on the Lord's table or leading uh, songs on Wednesday night or maybe giving an invitation. I, mm-hmm. I wanted to get involved pretty quick with that. Oh, good, good. Let me ask you a, a question um, just about spiritual growth because, um, you know, uh, my house has been a Christian home since my, all of my kids were born, so they don't really know anything else. Right, right. Um, and, and yet my wife and I are very aware that they need to have their own spiritual identity. You know, growing up under, under our roof, there's certain things that they have to do. But but we recognize that they're individuals and we don't want, you know, once they move out on their own for that to really be a foreign experience to them. So we try to have them go to Bible studies on their own and that type of thing. And, you know, Folsom has been one of their regular things where they go up and and be part of that. But we try to um, help them to develop their own identity. And for you, you know, uh, how much do you think coming out here, uh, you know, and just sort of being on your own out, out from under your parents' roof, uh, contributed to just your own spiritual growth? Hmm. Well, so I moved out of my parents' home at a fairly early age. Um, I, w- I was out of the house by the time I was 19. So okay. I was, and while I only, I mean, I think I moved at the at the furthest, like 45 minutes away. So I wasn't that okay. far away. Mm-hmm. I still worshipped at, at my home congregation mm-hmm. that I'd grown up in. So in some aspects I would I had moved on and in others I was still very much attached you know yeah um and I think I think definitely I would say that California certainly contributed to me growing my own faith in a lot of ways yeah but in in another sense I I had kind of already started to realize that that was something that I needed to do for myself um just going through college you know taking some college courses and working and being on my own and realizing you know i have to support myself financially i'm responsible yeah. for getting myself to to and from classes right. um you know all that added responsibility and i realized the the light bulb clicked on at some point in there that hey you know my spiritual um well-being is also my responsibility too it's not yeah you know i'm not just gonna be uh, carried along by my parents faith right right um and so certainly California breaking breaking away from the state of Illinois and, and getting out here initially, that that contributed to that, certainly. Oh, good. Yeah. OK. So um, while you're at Folsom, I mean, of course, now you're, you're preaching. Right. But uh, how did you come about becoming interested in preaching and teaching or how was your, your development um, from just being a member, which, you know, is a, is a great thing in and of itself, yeah. but then to contribute in the way that, that you are now? Yeah. Um, so, like I said, I was really, I, I was really excited when I got to Folsom and saw how uh, the numbers, but then also not not just the numbers. You know, mm-hmm. there there are big churches, and I've I've visited a few that had hundreds of members. You mm-hmm. know, but it just didn't seem to have the same uh, vibrant energy and uh, encouragement that Folsom had. Yeah, and and just really, it it really seemed like 
the right atmosphere um, and, and that the conditions were right for me to for me to take advantage of that, okay. uh, so to speak. And really, um, so I, I got involved, like I said, um, with what I could, mm -hmm. and then eventually I was allowed to start. Um, working with some classes and working with other teachers and then they you know step by step right. kind of introduced me to things and I was I was able to, to lead a class and start teaching classes and do devotionals for the kids from time to time yeah. and then and and then um, Tyler Brown I would say which you may or may not know who he is but he was also someone that participated in the preacher training program along with me and he okay. was pretty instrumental in influencing me to to head that direction. He he's mm -hmm. actually started before I did with the preacher training program and I was able to see, you know, him grow right. in that role and him do things that I also realized that I wanted to do myself and so mm -hmm. um, I would certainly contribute him and then encouragement from a few other other members um, in really pushing me over the over the hump to get into preaching and and be serious about it. Great, great. And so I, I like to think that God certainly, you know, puts those people in our lives. Right? Sure. Yes, he does. Um, and so uh, how long were you in the preacher training program? So two and a half years. And it, okay. when we started out, um, David told me, David Posey, um, who is my mentor, uh, told me, you know, we're going to have you for two years. And it was initially going to be two years part time. So mm -hmm. I did that. And then they they evaluated me at the end of that and said, well, we think we we think you need another, you know, some more time. Mm -hmm. And whether that's three months, whether that's six more months, it ended up being six more months. But at mm -hmm. that point, they actually had me go um, full time. Okay. And so the last six months of my training were were really hardcore, I guess. Right. So we're at least at least a step up from from the part time uh uh, schedule. Right, right. Okay. So, um, so then, uh, tell us a little bit about your, your, um, you know, your completion of that program, and then just sort of the, the time uh, span between that, and then you know, looking to be a full time preacher somewhere, and then discovering uh, Almond Valley. So the first time I ran into Ken and Bill was at the Tahoe Bible Conference, um, which. Uh, I, I guess I've been going to as long as they've been calling it that. Okay. So just a couple of years. Yeah. I think this is going to be the third year where they're calling right. it the Tahoe Bible Conference. That's I right. met them. I met Ken at, uh, the first year of that, and they actually had me come down and speak for them right after that, um, not long after the Bible Conference was over. And so I did, and I was still pretty green at that point, still mm -hmm. pretty fresh in the program. And uh, anyway, so I, I kind of loosely kept in contact with them. They would... They would send me a message from time that they um, in need of work and developing and all and maturing, you know, all of that, all of those things. And then so then last year um, they actually um, took me aside and said, hey, you know, um, our preacher's going to retire at the end of this year. And we right. want you to be thinking about that. Mm -hmm. I said, well, I'm still you know, I'm still finishing up the program. But um, if if the elders give give me the green light to start looking for my own work, then I will I will let you know, you know, I'll contact you. Mm -hmm. And so um, at the end of 2019, really, which was the the point that they decided, um, December 2019, at the end of the year, they said, okay, you're ready. And so I, I sent out, you know, messages and Almaden Valley got back to me and said, hey, you Don't know, we're, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Our preacher's retiring. Um, we need you, we want you to come down here and speak for us and we'll try and get something worked out as quick as we can. 
Um, and so that's what happened. Uh, January 5th, I think, was the first Sunday in, in 2020, I went down and spoke with them, and then things just came together, and I ended up moving down there by January 30th. So great. kind of a whirlwind experience yeah, in, yeah. in some ways. Yeah. They're great people over there, though. I've, I've Absolutely. I've uh, known them for years and yeah. years now, and I've uh, been uh, blessed to go and speak there a number of times. Awesome. And just uh, a very, uh, very encouraging group. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I feel like they're being uh, too generous with me so far. <laughs> every everyone's acting like I'm I'm uh, just delivering these amazing sermons. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm they, like, eh, I don't know if I'm that good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you are. I haven't been out there to, to hear you yet, but uh, I'm, I will hear from you soon. I'm, absolutely. I'm yeah. Look um, forward. So let me ask you a question as far as uh, just your plans for Almondon Valley. What are some of the, the challenges that you see there or some plans as far as things that you, you intend to do there to help them to grow? Mm, wow. Um, so the elders and I have not really had a good opportunity to sit down and, and mm-hmm. talk through some of this stuff yeah. yet. But um, at the, the West Side Preacher Conference that I just came back from, th- these were things that were addressed at that conference, right? Okay. And so I, I have some some ideas bouncing around about um, personal work and, and evangelism and community mm-hmm. outreach and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I realized that Almaden Valley is probably facing the same challenges that every other church in San Jose is facing, right? Sure. People just are, are consumed with their work. They're wrapped up with yeah. their material lives. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of them don't seem to be have any interest in in pursuing or, or even addressing their spiritual lives, you right. know, whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and and I guess that doesn't shock me or surprise me at all, but it, it's yeah. a huge hurdle to have to overcome. It's it's really strong in this valley. Yeah. Um, uh, the uh, even even within members themselves, we struggle with this culture of just being too busy. Yeah. And uh, as a matter of fact, right now at Santa Clara. One of the things that we're trying to do is sort of break that mold mm. and uh, get get folks used to making time yeah. for Bible studies and making time for for God, yeah. just to do spiritual things. Um, but it, it's a culture, and um, you know, right now I'd say that that Santa Clara is leaning more towards still being used to. Okay, well, I've got to do this for work. I got to run the kids here, run the kids there, and you know, I just don't have time yeah. for a Bible study or you know, a devotional or, you know, even prayer, I think sometimes. And so, but, and so it's a learned behavior. But as, as others around you are doing it, you know, you start to get influence. And one of the things, one of the biggest cures to me is just to, to go, you know, to take a night and just say, you know what, I don't have anything going that night. I know I'm tired. I know I have a ton of things I could do. I could catch up on work or, you know, catch up with my kids or whatever, but I'm just going to go to this Bible study. And when you come away from the Bible study, you say to yourself, I know I always say to myself, why don't I always make time for this? This makes me feel better for the other days and other things I need to do. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, that we're working on. But I, I get the sense that every congregation here in Silicon Valley is dealing with that issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I really think, you know, this this little device right here in my hand <laughs> plays into that. Yeah. Because it, for me even, you know, it's impossible for me to, to not go more than a few minutes without picking it up or looking at it or seeing what notification popped up or <laughs> taking a call or, or answering an yeah. email or any yeah. any number of things, you know, right. all the different apps that I have on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 
technology is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing that, that we can take advantage of, yeah. right? But it can also just absolutely suck you into the point where, where you know, you're just not making time for other things yeah. and, and you become involved. Like you're, you're able to become involved at a higher level um, to right. a higher degree with your work and, and allow that yeah. to overtake you. That's now, right. The beautiful thing about my uh, vocation is that my, yeah. if I'm becoming consumed with my work, then I'm I'm <laughs> probably drawing closer to God, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, true. That's true. Um, I'm certainly blessed in that regard to yeah. to not have to worry about the keeping those things separate, right? Right, right. Um, um, and you know, I, I deal with multimedia for uh, the congregation here. Yeah. And it is a challenge in, in a couple ways. And one, well, it's a blessing in one way because, like you said, there's so many avenues to reach out to people. Right. But in some ways, there's too many avenues. Sure. And there's too much junk out there, too, that you have to sort of weed through and try to separate the spiritual stuff from. But it's a way, um, you know, since that's where everybody is, we're trying to go there and, and meet people there um, and, and use it to the best of our ability. But it is a, a crutch in a lot of ways. And I think you're right. A lot of that feeling of just being too busy and not having time for Bible studies comes from just the amount of, of knowledge and data and, and just awareness of what's going on yeah. that, that goes on through having, a, you know, the phone and the Internet and all the, the different uh, technology that we have out there that makes us aware of things. Mm -hmm. My kids can't believe that, you know, I went through high school and college and never had a cell phone. <laughs> I know. And somehow we survived, right? Yeah, made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, rem I still remember uh, my parents gave me this. Uh, you, I don't know if you, the track phones, you remember the track phones? Yeah, um, yeah. They would give me one of those for uh, when I would be gone to high school sporting events or whatever right. for me to contact them on. Yeah. And it just cracks me up like... How did, you know, how did we function as a society right. without iPhones and without right. uh, high-speed internet and all that stuff? My parents, <laughs> my parents would give me coins so that I could go to the payphone oh, and put, no. <laughs> put the dime in or the quarter yeah, or whatever it yeah. was at that time. But yeah, that was it. <laughs> Just have to find a corner phone or go to a market or something. You guys have a phone in here I could use? Right. You know? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, sure didn't have it in our pockets, that's for sure. Yeah. So, um... And I may have asked this already, but I'm not sure. Uh, okay. but, but what plans do you have for uh, Almondon Valley? Well, I think, um, generally speaking, my plans are the same as every other church's plans, and that's right. to, to grow the church community, right? Yeah. And um, so I, do I know how that's going to, to pan out, and do I know how to be successful at that? Not necessarily, mm -hmm. but I'm willing to try or any number of things, right? I'm willing yeah. to implement whatever strategies um, people may or may not have found to be useful in order to to win some. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Paul said, you know, I became all things to all people yeah. in order that I might win some. Win some, yeah. Uh, and so that's our goal, right. uh, is to bring people in. I think I think a big part of it is really just getting them in the door. Yeah. And and then if if we can if we as a group can start bringing people in through the doors, then then it falls to me. Right. And I'm comfortable with that, honestly. If I'm being if I'm being honest, yeah. I, I feel comfortable enough in I, I guess whatever ability I may or may not have to mm -hmm. to share the gospel message that I can hopefully influence some of these these folks through through my preaching. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it really going back to the whole the whole uh, materialism and, and mm -hmm. then just being wrapped up in, in work life and, and not having time for spiritual things. It, it really does, at the end of the day, come down to the heart of the person that's that's receiving the yes, message, right? That's you, right. 
we're we're all one of four uh, four types of of earth or soil, yeah, soil according right. to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And and so we really do need that. We we have to be planting in that good soil. And that to to Jesus's point, you know, we should be spreading the seed everywhere. Yeah, right. Um, but we have to have that good soil for for anything to actually take root and, and grow. And so, mm-hmm. um, maybe that's one out of every hundred people. Maybe that's one out of every thousand people. Right, you know, but. Right. We still have to find that one. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's the trick. And I guess it's probably just a numbers game of trying to get people in and, and mm-hmm. sit them down and let them hear the gospel and see if it see if it takes root. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you know, when you're dealing with an area like this, um, uh, but I guess it's true with any area. You really need to sort of learn the terrain. Yeah, and that's absolutely. What, that's sure. one of the things that's that's important. I think about us congregations working together a little bit more and learning from one another. Because uh, one thing that I, I've learned um, over the, the uh, more recent years is that it's good to have plans, but always have flexibility. Mm, because you okay. never know where the Lord is going to open up doors. Sure. And, and the, the wise thing to do is to take advantage of that. You know, wherever the Lord has opened up the door, no matter what your plans are, you have to put some <laughs> plans in the closet <laughs> and go the direction that the Lord uh, opens <clears throat> up to you to, uh, to maximize that. So, uh, you know, we're, we're learning to do that, and uh, our programs have, have, you know, adapted a bit to, to, um, uh, to facilitate that. But, you know, our themes have been pretty general. Last year, we really were trying to learn to defend the faith, so teach our members how to defend the faith. Mm-hmm. Then this year, we're, we're doing outreach. Okay. So we're going out, and the things that we learned, we're, we're uh, trying to encourage and, uh, and influence those around us who don't know the gospel. And to me, that seems to be the current big issue of the day um, is, you know, apologetics and and being able yeah. to uh, mm-hmm. give a good defense or a good answer yeah. to those that are skeptical of the faith or right. or would uh, even speak against God or Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that absolutely. That's probably got to factor into it, especially in, a, in an area that of the country that is you know, um, probably more prone to atheism than a lot of other areas right. of the country, right? That is true. Um, that is I just true. can't, down in Texas, Irving, Texas, there's the Church of Christ just about every corner. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right here. <laughs> <laughs> so it, there's certain, certainly different different set of challenges out here and, and maybe a, a, a steeper hill to climb, you know, in right. a lot of respects, but that doesn't yeah. mean that we shouldn't try and that doesn't mean yeah. that... Um, we can't climb it. You yeah, know? yeah. It's nothing yeah. is impossible through through God. But. Mm-hmm. There are definitely good-hearted people out here who have their hearts open, and um, the worst thing that we can do is sort of judge uh, an area yeah. based on you know uh, rumor and, and yeah. you know reputation. Yeah. Um, because there are some good, honest people out there that want to know about God. But it's just you know, are we courageous enough to go out there and let our voices be heard so they know where we are? And, and and find us so that they can learn the truth. Definitely, and there is there's definitely a misconception I would say throughout the rest of the country, um, especially when I travel east, you know, to go back home and visit family, that California is just a, a wasteland, <laughs> right? You know, when it comes to spiritual matters, right? That, right. That there, it, it's the Sodom and Gomorrah situation mm-hmm. where where we can't find ten good people out here, and I right. have to I have to correct that, you that's know, right. that's that's something we can correct and. 
um, just share with people and, and say, hey, you know, there are good people out here and there yeah. are strong Christians and there yeah. are good churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and don't just be, you know, don't get swept up in the stereotypes. That's right. That's right. You know, it's interesting because as bad a, a reputation as San Francisco has, mm-hmm. I was just there with a brother who had recently been uh, restored to the faith, and thank mm-hmm. God for that. And yeah. he's, he's like a son to me, but fallen away for a number of years there, but recently was in a car accident and woke him up. And he's on okay. fire again now. You will meet him. Okay. He, goes, he, he worships with uh, with Josh Lewis and Josh Carter in San Francisco now. Great. Um, as of the last couple of weeks. Great. But I was talking to him, and I, I was in San Francisco and just visiting with him and, and uh, talking. And I told him, you know, one thing about San Francisco uh, that a lot of people don't know is it is a city where if your car breaks down, you will have a number of people that will run to help you. No kidding. Yeah, I said I say I can't think of a whole lot of places that are like that. But when I lived in the city, it was always like that. If I got a flat tire, somebody within minutes somebody would pull over to help me. Wow. And it's just that it's that type of a city. But you wouldn't know it from his reputation. Yeah. And so you know it's good that there are uh, uh, good brothers and sisters there in that city reaching out because there's people who who are looking to be reached. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're all made in the the image of God, right? Yeah. We're all we're all God's creation, and, and that includes that includes the people we generally choose not to associate with, yeah. or people we would consider unsavory. And, That's right. And we should not uh, be dismissive of them or or mm-hmm. um, overlook them, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or or even become discouraged because we think that that we we judge them as being thorny soil or or yeah. um, the hard soil that that's not going to produce any fruit. Right. Um, right. So, yeah. Okay. It's, a, it's a lot of good food for thought there. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, you know what? It's been a pleasure talking to you and, and hearing a little bit about your life and, and the work that you've got going on. And I look forward to working with you and the brothers over there, brothers and sisters who uh, I've worked with over the years, but, um, you know, even even more so now as we uh, as we here at the Santa Clara Congregation are looking to, to reach out and we hope to join you in that work. Definitely. I look forward to it as well. And, and I really appreciate um, your comments before we started talking about, you know, the churches working together yeah. because that's what it's all about. We're all the kingdom, you know, that's we right. got to we got to stick together and, and hopefully maybe we can uh, we can uh, increase increase the uh, produce of our labor. But it's been a pleasure as well. And look forward to uh, years of, of working together. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening. For more about us, check us out at truthseekers.org. There you'll find our links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.